0: Well, your attitude is determined by what you decide. I really believe that. and I think our study of Proverbs today is going to bear that out in a particular area of attitude that we think of as anger, tension, stress. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. My name is Dan Jarvis, one of the pastors here. I'm really glad you're here. And In our study this summer, we're walking through the book of Proverbs, just kind of diving into the wisdom that's there. Uh, We understand from chapter 1 that the point of Proverbs is ultimately to get us to listen to wisdom, to help us explore it, to help us receive it into our lives and let it change us. Now, I got kind of an unexpected piece of feedback last week about the message I was, you know, reviewing things, and someone contacted me and said, like, they really liked it. It was like listening to a Christian comedian. Wait a minute, like, this isn't a joke, right? I'm not joking. I was thinking, if I was joking, I would say, a horse walked into church, and the pastor said, why the long face? But I'm not joking. It's actually real. Like, this is serious stuff we're walking through. So last week, we talked about poverty and wealth all through the book of Proverbs, and why... Um, listening to the voice of wisdom actually connects to your career, it connects to your productivity, it connects to the things that you do every day when you wake up in the morning and your eyes open with a sense of purpose. Today we're going to look at another one of the themes that stretches all the way through this book of Proverbs. We're going to look at anger. So I was saying we could do this like sort of infomercial, infomercial style because I know that it's really difficult for people to conquer anger well, we do have the option of not conquering it, right? We could, we could look at it the other way. We could say, hey, here's the fool's guide to getting angry, staying angry, being angry, right? If, you, if, you're, if you're frustrated, agitated, all around miserable, you want to stay that way, there is a path forward for you. In fact, it's not that complicated, right? To be angry, what do you have to do? Just let it flow, right? I mean, were you not born with the capacity for anger? Um, I was, and it seems like when I'm not very attentive, that's naturally what will happen. If I happen to get frustrated, I'll immediately sense anger kind of rising up inside. Um, Those of you who parent, you know that you don't have to teach your kids how to be angry. You have to teach them how to not be angry. So rather than battle with them the whole time, you could just endorse their anger. Yeah, (laughs) go for it, right? Wouldn't that be a lot easier? The problem is there's a lot of collateral damage when you live in anger, okay? The other problem is even people who want to be angry, there's actually a lot of reasons out there not to be angry, right? So I was thinking about the things that would upset your upset. Well, it would be things like sunny blue skies, you know, you walk out and this the day is cheerful. You know, like, come on, I was hoping to be depressed today. Uh, flowers and kittens and babies, the near constant flow of undeserved blessings that we all experience, sometimes consciously, sometimes not all lots of great reasons not to be angry, not to stay angry. Or you could think about the relentless cheer from those happier and more naive people that you just wish they would frown a little bit more, like join you in scowling at the world and the situations that you face rather than finding the bright side. Who wants that? Well, I don't know. I actually do want that um, because I know that anger does have collateral damage. Anger does create messes that then I or other people have to clean up. And I would rather not live an angry life. I don't think it represents Jesus well. God has called us to something better. God's called us to live lives that represent peace. Say, well, how do I get peace when the world is full of anger and angry people and lots of frustrating things? You ever wondered that? So, as a dad, um, one of the things that I use as a term a lot is I'll say the word meltdown. Any other parents use that term to describe things that happen in your household? So I was talking to a senior citizen parent one day and they said, you know, we didn't really use that term back in the day because there weren't like nuclear power plants melting down that anybody knew about, so it wasn't a metaphor that you could use, but wow, isn't it a great metaphor? Think, what happens in a nuclear power plant meltdown? You know, there's a chain reaction of things that are happening and all of a sudden it's out of control. It gets out of containment. No matter what anybody does, at least in theory, like, it couldn't be stopped. It's just going to eat the whole world away. Anger feels a little bit like that when it gets unleashed in your soul. So you see it more colorfully in little kids. The younger they are, the more it just sort of pops out, and, it's, and, and that's when a parent will just kind of shrug. I mean, even though there's like a massive nuclear disaster happening, well, you know, it's just another meltdown. I, I have three three-year-olds in my household, um, so for Melissa and I, sometimes we're contending with multiple meltdowns at the same time inside of our house, um, and it doesn't matter what containment measures or security measures, we, it's just the meltdowns can happen, right? There have been dinners when we have literally eaten dinner to surround sound, screaming and crying in various rooms of the house as we take the kid away that doesn't want to eat the potato or whatever. And now he's crying and then the next one's crying because you didn't, I don't know, the, the shirt was wrong or the stuffed animal wasn't there to eat the dinner with her. And you know, so suddenly it's just meltdowns all over the place. Anger run amok, emotions on display. In those moments, Um, Oh, by the way, I wanted to share one of those with you. Some of you might have actually already seen this one. Easter 2022 here at church. It happened. Um, This is one of my beautiful daughters, um, very upset. I don't exactly remember what happened, but I do remember conveniently it was Easter and our, our wonderful, thoughtful children's ministry workers had given all sorts of candy to us. So we plugged some of that candy in and it worked. The meltdown was over pretty quickly, uh, which is probably not a good pattern to establish as a reoccurring way to deal with anger, but it worked in that moment. And you know, I often hear people joking about, like you know the kid that's screaming in the store and you're like, oh, I'm so glad it's not mine. The problem is it is mine. So when I hear the kid screaming in the store, I'll think, is that mine? And then is, I'll, yeah, that's one of mine. Uh, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And uh, so we all kind of, and by the way, I don't want you to have a negative view of my little girls, so here's some happier pictures. They actually are rays of sunshine in our life, and there's lots of smiles and cheeriness. And on balance, would you agree, Melissa, like they bring more joy than they do travail to us, but there is travail when that angry emotion erupts, when there's a big outburst suddenly The smiles and the prettiness and everything melt down into scowls and anger. That can happen to me, and it can happen to you. But probably, as an older person, you've developed some ways to, I don't know, mitigate or hide what's actually happening in your heart. So probably, not for sure, but probably you would not walk into the Family Life Center and just rear your head back, open your mouth, and just yell in anger. I'm guessing you would think you wouldn't do that. A three-year-old might, um, but the same spirit that caused the anger in the three-year-old also still lives in us. That's why it's not hard to get angry, because naturally, this is, what, this is where we go. So I've got good news. The Bible has a lot to say for angry people and for those who wish that they weren't so angry. So we're going to pray. We're going to ask for God to give us grace to hear this, um, not as my message to you, but just as God's word to all of us. Say, there is a better way to live, and there is a way to control your emotions, right? So let's pray and ask for God's help. Lord, the the subjects that your word touches on throughout Proverbs are practical. They're also really personal. I know that every one of us has our own complicated relationship with anger. Um, I pray that you would help reveal to us what we need to hear from your word, what we need to respond to. Give us your grace to receive this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, to warm up, it does help, it doesn't fix the problem, but it does help to think about cheerful things. So if you need an anger intervention, you might ask this question, what kinds of things do cheer you up and give you a more positive perspective? So we all know the feeling of tension, right? Sometimes I I associate it at least, I don't know if it's scientifically the same, but I think I have high blood pressure when I get angry, like I actually feel tension rising. And in that moment, I feel like, I don't know, I think I feel more powerful, but as we'll discover from Proverbs, it's actually a sign of weakness if you display anger. But in the moment, you're kind of tricked into thinking you're really strong when you get angry. Um, And all of us sort of have our own coping mechanism for like, what do you do in that moment? What does help you not be so angry? I think about my little girls. I think one of the tricks that I think most parents probably use is when you see a really frowning kid, you just say, "I see that smile in there." And what happens to the kid? Like if you say it a couple times, what do they do? They start letting the little smile out and you know, maybe the maybe that like maybe the storm clouds pass and suddenly they're laughing or something or maybe you have to, you know, tickle them a little bit or Uh, We had one psychologist that uh, we sat down with, asked some questions about how to help kids that were angry, and um, the lady said, you should give them a Popsicle, because it literally will cool them down. That's that's a good thought. That that would probably work for me, too. So um, I wonder for you, what cheers you up, be it a Popsicle or a sunny day or a good talk with a friend? Um, So turn to your neighbor and ask them this question, hey, what kinds of things do help you when you feel tense to loosen up and to cheer up? I'll give you 30 seconds to ask your neighbor that question. So here's something kind of fun. If you could see from my view here, I get to look across and almost everybody in the room is smiling, which is fun, right? And it kind of shows you can pick your attitude. You, if you just call to mind the things that make you happy, suddenly there is a reason to smile, even if maybe you've got other reasons in your life not to smile. Uh, we all understand life's kind of a mixed bag, but there is a decision we can make. So walking it through before we get out Proverbs and just kind of look at multiple collected sayings from the wise. Here's a few definitions. Maintaining anger requires self-focus, demanding your way, your rights, your wishes, your expectations. Anger is always pointing at you, and when something doesn't go the way you want it to go, that's why we get angry. So you could think about, sometimes you might think you're justified, in why you're angry, but it still is one of these things. It's still, you had an expectation that wasn't met, or you had a way that someone else didn't walk, or you had a right to some sort of treatment that you didn't get, and that triggers anger in you. Uh, Selfishness can turn the most powerful positives into negatives. So you might have an amazing, like think about this, maybe this has happened to you, but think about being on vacation in some sort of wonderful environment. You think everything is set for this to be a glorious day. But does that guarantee that you won't have anger? You might have a very sour, terrible experience on vacation because of your expectations weren't met or you didn't quite get your way. And even though someone from the outside would look at that day and that scenario and where you are and what you're doing and go, that's wonderful. That, 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 it should bring a smile to your face. It just shows the fact that no matter what our external circumstances are, whether good or bad, our attitude is actually ours to choose every day. So let's trace back what an angry outburst begins with, like why it happens, so that then when we look at what the Bible says we should do, we can kind of put it into a little bit of a grid and understand what our action steps should be. So, think of a time when you were really upset. Think of a moment when you you blew your top or flew off the handle or pick your metaphor. When you had a meltdown and there was radioactive contamination everywhere as a result, that outburst was generated by something. Where did it come from? Well, I would contend that it came from a reaction choice that you made to let your anger be displayed in that way right? So like you you would have been, you would have faced a few choices. So the frustrating thing happens to you. You could have chosen to shrug it off. You could have chosen to make peace. But in that moment, you chose to let anger go forward. And as a result, boom, there's a big outburst. I'll say, well, where did that, why are you having to make a choice about how you react? Well, probably because an expectation was not met. Whether that's an expectation about you or how you should be treated as a customer or how you should be whatever. I mean, you had an expectation about what was supposed to happen and didn't happen. I think about this when I feel tension rising because I'm going to be late because someone is driving too slow. So think of this. When the person's driving too slow, I, like I have my plan and my sense of what's going to happen and I have an expectation that I can go five miles above the speed limit at all times And I can make it just on time as long as that happens. But as soon as someone who is actually going like one mile under the speed limit shows up, my expectations are blown to bits. And suddenly I'm going to be two minutes late for the thing that I need to really be on time for. And in that moment, I have a reaction choice to make. My expectation's not met. What will I do? How will I act in that moment? That unmet expectation comes from somewhere, though, as well. I think it comes from expected control. I thought I was in charge of how fast I would go, but suddenly this other car is determining that I can't go that fast. I thought I was in charge of my schedule, but now I realize I'm not completely in charge of my schedule. I thought I could get my way. I thought it would happen the way I planned. Maybe I thought that people would do what I asked them to do and they didn't do it or I thought that things would cost a certain amount, but here, Ty over at Ty's Auto breaks the news that it's gonna cost quadruple what I thought. Suddenly, I lose my control of the situation, right? So where does that expected control come from? I think it comes from pride. Not that it's always necessarily incorrect, But pride is when I think I'm in charge. So pride allows me to hold on to something and go, this is mine. This is my way. I'm right. And I expect it to be this way. And as soon as that doesn't happen, blood pressure goes up. Stress starts to happen. I have unmet expectations. And now I have to make a decision in that moment, how will I react? Pride is the root of angry outbursts. So here's what the Bible says. First of all, and just like last week, we're going to walk through Proverbs kind of just as it is a collected sayings of the wise. It's not exactly an order in the text, but we find this wisdom as we peruse the book. 1429 People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. So is the reaction controllable, like the big nuclear meltdown? It is, like it can be contained a hot temper shows great foolishness, a temper actually shows great weakness. Because a temper is when you have an emotional reaction and it's out of control and you're not strong enough to hold it in. Now, this is where it gets tricky because anger kind of dupes you into thinking you're projecting power. but You're actually projecting weakness when you're angry. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Proverbs 14, 17, short-tempered people do foolish things. Schemers are hated, so anger makes uh, feels like power, but it gets no respect. I think the two things that anger wants um, it wants respect, and it wants control. And when one of those two things isn't happening, what happens to you? In that moment, you're tempted by anger. So when anger is trying to get that back. It's kind of an ineffective means. Because you would think, if I just get angry enough, they'll hear me. If I I just get angry enough, they'll, they'll, they'll fix it. They'll change. But what it really does is reduce your control further and reduces the respect that other people would have for you further. Anger takes you in the opposite direction of where you think it will take you. So growing up, I had a few formative experiences from my kind of young eyes perspective on what anger does or doesn't do. One of them was, and I've told my story of my family a few times before, but my mom became a Christian when I was five and my dad became a Christian when I was 11. And in between that time, there were a lot of fireworks and difficult times in our family. Talk of divorce and suicide and lots of anger and lots of, it it was really rough. And I'm glad that my memories of that time are not crystal clear. But they're clear enough. I remember the feelings, and I remember the tension, um, and I remember just wanting to get out of there. Oftentimes, uh, because you don't want to be with angry people, right? So, one of those formative experiences was my mom in a Rite Aid parking lot. As a new believer, she was trying to, you know, do do what Christians would do, and uh, just you know, by happenstance, she almost ran into another car in the parking lot. My sister and I were in the back seat. Now, she didn't hit the car, like nothing happened, but she almost hit the car, and the driver of that car got really upset. This lady jumped out of her front seat, stood right up to my mom's window, and just started yelling. Profanity was coming out of her mouth, anger all over the place, like she was having an epic meltdown over an accident that literally did not happen. It almost happened, but it didn't happen. So my mom gets out of the car, and I, I know my mom well. I've seen my mom angry. I know the look. I've seen the look looking at me. And I know how uncomfortable that is, and I know what that means. And so my mom had the look, and, you know, I knew my mom is, she's not the kind of person you want to mess around with. Like, she can, she can fire back. But she didn't. She just kind of stood there and took all this anger from this lady. And just, you know, she was going like this. She was, I'm so sorry, ma'am. Like, I I apologize. And she just kind of diffused it. And she sat down in the car, closed the door, took this big, deep sigh, like, (sighs) catch your breath a little bit. And she turned to me, my sister, and said, I couldn't answer that lady because we have a Christian bumper sticker on our car. Okay, well, there it is. Uh, When you're (laughs) representing Jesus, we're supposed to act different, right? Obviously. Um, Now, my dad, uh, up until the time he became a Christian, had lots of anger issues. And when he gives his testimony, he shares about all of this, how he had a really rough beginning when he was a kid. There was alcoholism in his family tree. There was lots of anger. There was lots of disappointment. It was really a rough run for my dad. And so he was doing, sadly, what often happens. He was passing that anger forward on the family tree by being kind of the same way his dad was to him. He was being to my sister and I. And I remember seeing that because I had this contrast in my family of like my mom and like her new walk with Jesus and then all the people we were meeting at church, but then also I could see my dad and like what was happening with him. And I remember putting it together, probably somewhere around age 10 or 11, that the anger just wasn't really helping my dad. Like I, I just started realizing when he would get angry, n- nobody was listening to him or respecting him. It, it was actually the opposite of what he wanted. Anger is v- a very ineffective means of getting what you actually want. So even if control was possible, anger is not going to give it to you. And, and if there is anything to respect about you, it's not the fact that you get angry. It would be the ability to control yourself that would be respectable. So I, I started seeing this, kind of playing out in front of me, and then when my dad became a Christian and literally walked away from that kind of life, that completely shook my world and helped me understand how following Jesus actually makes a real-world difference. So sometimes you have to just get honest about where you're starting from and say, well, Jesus, if I'm going to follow you, I need to deal with this in my life. So let's keep going with Proverbs here. 1919 hot tempered people must pay the penalty if you rescue them once you will have to do it again well why is that well fools don't learn because they can't listen so hot tempered people are the ones who would display foolishness like some people are quiet fools you know have to appreciate that i guess Um, but if you're a flamboyant fool everybody knows it except for you somebody might step in and say, I really want to help that poor person. Like they have no idea what they're doing. But if you rescue them, you'll have to do it again. Because until the ears actually open, until a fool is willing to listen, they just won't learn. And it doesn't matter what else you try to do. 1632, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than conquer a city. So you could make a list of like great exploits that someone might do in their life. Like, wow, here's a person that can win an award or pass a test or build a building or maybe they're a great military commander. They literally can take a city. That's all well and good. But more impressive than that is can you control yourself? And as crazy as it sounds, controlling yourself is the hardest part of life, isn't it? Uh, if you can control yourself, the rest, the rest of life generally falls into place in a pretty good way. But if you can't control yourself, it doesn't really matter what else you can claim because this shows the ultimate weakness in you. 25, 28, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Which doesn't mean a whole lot to us in America. So our cities don't have walls. But back in the day, the walls were the definition. They were the defense if your city was strong, you had strong walls around it. If the walls were broken, it meant you had been invaded. You'd been, you, know, you, you, didn't, you couldn't defend yourself. And that's what anger does to someone. That's what a lack of self-control means about a person's life. 12, 15, and 16. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. So it's one thing to you know, have a frustrating situation happen. It's another thing to have someone actively insulting you and then still be able to stay calm. Not saying that's easy. I would say that is what Jesus did, and that is what Jesus told us to do. So we say, Lord, I'm going to need your help if I'm going to live this way, if I'm really going to detach from my anger and live a different kind of life. 1727, a truly wise person uses few words a person with understanding is even-tempered. And I don't think that means that they're even-tempered like as a personality trait. You you take a test and you go, hey, I'm an even-tempered person. No, this is a choice, not a characteristic. You're making a choice. Even though there's tension coming at you, how will you react to it? If you have wisdom, if you have understanding, you start to grow in your ability to stay calm. 29, 22, an angry person starts fights, a hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. And I think we all know this from sad personal experience, but anger really is a gateway to a bunch of other problems, isn't it? Like you think marriage problems, work problems, um, interpersonal problems with friends, like if you just trace a lot of problems people have back to why it started, anger and pride are right there as the primary culprits So what do we do? Like, is there a way out? Because here's what Proverbs does really well. It warns us to stay away from anger. But you go, well, that doesn't exactly help me if I'm the, like the one that says don't make friends with an angry person. Like, well, wait a minute. Maybe that's why I don't have any friends. Everybody else is following the Bible. Well, what do I do if I'm the person that has the anger? How do I get out of it? So that's where we're going to turn to the New Testament for an answer. Go to James chapter 1. Verse 19, some people say James is the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's just filled with pithy, wise sayings, just like Proverbs is in the Old Testament, but here's where we start getting a road forward and why there's some hope and why if your life is not as peaceful as you wish it was, the place where you can start growing peace is not by fixing your circumstances, it's actually by changing your heart. And there is a way to do that and there really is hope that you could wake up tomorrow And the circumstances might be the same, but your attitude can be a lot different. So, chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. One thing I realized about myself, when I'm frustrated, I want to defend myself before the other person's even done talking to me. So, I would be happy to cut you off and correct you before you've even said what, So because that's that's being quick to speak, right? So here the instruction is, if you want to walk a different way, slow down. Be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. Like you're, no, tell me more. I want to understand. I want you to finish talking so that I can really think about this, and then I'll respond. It says, and then be slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Don't just listen to God's word, verse 22, do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. If you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. And honestly, when I think about other people getting angry, I don't think they know what they look like. And then I glance in my own mirror and go, when I'm angry, I don't know what I look like. Because somehow, anger blinds us to what's actually true about us. Verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. Which is another way of saying following Jesus and being a Christian is supposed to impact you, like your soul. And if following Jesus doesn't change something about this area of our lives, then what does following Jesus even mean? If if your commitment to Jesus makes absolutely no difference when it comes to controlling Angry outbursts, and you say, Am I am I really even following Jesus at all? Keeping control is not easy, but it is part of what God has called us to do. And that's where you say, But Dan, I feel hopeless about this. Like I, I would like that. I would choose it if I could, but for years I've been in a certain pattern. How in the world do I break out of that and live a different way? There's a lot of hope. I'm going to share that with you coming up next, but I wanted to show you the one proverb that I just thought was so obvious, so helpful, and just a challenge to all of us. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Isn't that interesting? So you you have the big meltdown, and then you look around at your radioactive life and go, God... Why did you give me this life? I have no idea what God would say in response to that. Maybe a mixture of laughter and tears looking back at you. And there is a different way. Jesus died for you to be able to live a different way. So how do we walk in that direction? And next time you're angry, it might be good to just ask, who am I really upset with in this situation? So let's get a new perspective What's reset? If you'd say, "Wow, all these warnings and proverbs," it, it kind of it's not good news for me. What do I do from here? Um, I've got a few ideas that can help. Right out of the things we've studied, the first one goes back to the first week we opened up the book of Proverbs. What is the foundation of wisdom? Where does wisdom begin? When you fear God, right? When you have when you have a right view of God you're now able to see the world differently. Your perspective is different. So upgrade your view of God and watch your attitude start to change. Because now you look up to God and you realize, wait a minute, who is actually in charge? Is it me or is it him? And if God is in charge, then my primary Emotion would be one of gratefulness to God and then like willingness to surrender to Him, willing to trust Him versus trying to take the reins and control my own life and outcomes. So upgrade your view of God and give up your inflated sense of control. Something that's great news for those of you who are stressed out, who don't feel peace, is when you surrender, you're free. Circumstances are still there. Problems are still there. But you give up your expected control, and suddenly you don't have unmet expectations in the same way. You don't have nearly as many anger triggers because you're, you're starting from a different premise. You're saying, I'm here to serve God with the life that I have. I surrender to Him my decision-making control. And the more that we learn how to surrender, the more freedom we experience, the more joy we can experience as a result. So it's, I think it's great news. And, 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 and rather than letting your anger go, let the control go, and the temptation to anger will be drastically reduced. Here's a third one, predetermine your reactions. So plan ahead to stay calm the next time that you're pressed. How many of you think you'll be pressed again? I'm kind of expecting that's going to happen to me. In all likelihood today, something will be a stressor, right? It will happen in that moment. What am I planning to do? So, if I wait and I make my plan in the split second that I realize I'm under pressure and that all this temptation for anger, I probably fail. But if I start from the premise that, hey, I'm following Jesus in the way that I live now, and so when those pressure points come, I will yield to God. I will take a deep breath and say, "All right, Lord." you know, this, this is your life. Like, I want to do the best I can in this situation, even though it's not what I wish it was. And that leads to number four. Ask God for grace to help. Is God on your team when it comes to all this? Like, do you think he is? Would God like you to have a peaceful life that honors him? Well, of course. So God hasn't just given you a big commandment to get rid of anger and then left you high and dry, God has given you the power you'll need to walk a new kind of life. It's called God's grace. So you say, Lord, I need your grace. Would you meet me in this moment? I need your help. That requires humility. It requires surrender. But when you're willing to do that, God will give you the grace that you need. And here's what's exciting. If you use anger, like the feelings of tension and frustration, if you use those as an actual reminder to pray for grace, the thing that's making you angry, suddenly your perspective will change dramatically right then because now you just redirected attention off of how you feel and on to God's plan. Say, Lord, I'm here to represent you. I'm going to need grace in this moment to deal with what's happening right now. Here's verse 14 of that text. Jesus gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us His very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. So Jesus died literally to set you free from this mess, from the mess that we create with our pride and a whole variety of other sins that spring off of that. Jesus died so that you don't have to live as a slave to all of that anymore. You say, Lord, I know, you've, I know you've made the power available. I need you right now to walk a different road. That's why I believe that you can determine how your days will go, and you can pick your attitude. Not just by willpower to just say, I'm going to feel better even though things are terrible, but because you can look up to heaven and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you and ask for your help rather than just trying to handle this on my own. Let go of the wheel a little bit. Say, Lord, this is you. That you're, you're in charge of my life. I'll trust you. And on that basis, Lord, I want to go forward as your representative now, not just responding to my emotions anymore. So I'd encourage you as you read through Proverbs to keep your eyes open for more on self-control and anger. There's a lot more in the book that we didn't touch today. Um, But I want to give you not only the warning of Proverbs to stay away from anger, but the hope that you don't have to live that way anymore. So let's take a minute to pray and commit that to the Lord together. Um, Jesus, every one of us has to face this in our own way. Every one of us is tempted by anger and by emotional responses that are unregulated and uncontrolled we all have the propensity to do that but you have died to free us from sin the penalty of it and the power of it you've given us a road forward you've warned us you've encouraged us and Lord you have empowered us to live a different kind of life we do want to follow your great example, Jesus. You faced all the same temptations that we face, but you were without sin. You overcame them, and you've given us the same power to work with in our own lives. So, Lord, thank you for that grace. The next time that we are tempted, would you help us to choose your path and your reaction instead of our own? Lord, I pray for anyone here in the room today that For whatever reason has never taken the step of following you has never put their faith in you to carry them forward toward a different future lord so many of us are tempted to just keep doing life our own way but you have offered us an off-ramp from the curse of sin and evil that's around us and an on-ramp into your plan So Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that needs to take that new road, that you would give them the faith to do that. That They would declare their faith in you, their dependence on you. And Lord, that that would start them on a journey that would transform who they are from the inside out. For many of us here, Lord, who have been following you for a while, thank you for these needed reminders throughout the Bible lord it's easy for us to grab the wheel try to assert control try to control circumstances when lord you've called us to a life of surrender and humility that flows out of wisdom and honoring you so lord we do today choose to see that truth we ask for your help lord you've given us so many reasons to rejoice so much reason for peace in our soul so would you help us together as a church family take a deep breath not just with our lungs but with our souls as we rest in the truth that you have our best interests at hearts that you love us and that you are active in wanting to transform us and help us lord i pray that none of us would be captives to anger anymore that we would see the higher road. We pray all this in Jesus' name. All right, thank you so much for being here. Hope to see you over at Life Action Camp in just a little while for lunch. Until next week, God bless you.